right, hello, and welcome to the House of Decline podcast once again. Um, I am talking about Palestine and Gaza. I feel compelled to because it is just getting worse and worse and worse, and there seems to be no end in sight. And that's what I wanted to talk about today is like, what is the future for this? What What is going to happen Um Uh, If there isn't a ceasefire soon or if there isn't, you know, greater intervention from the international community. And to help me answer these questions is a great journalist, writer, uh, excellent podcast guest. I first heard him on Chapo. The Neom episode is an absolute classic. Uh, And uh, it's it's Seamus uh, Malek Afzali here. And... uh, did I get your name right? I want. I hope. No, I, you, you, you nailed it, which I was, which I, I want to commend you for. Thank you, thank you. Uh, I, I appreciate that. And um, uh, yeah, I, I followed your journalism for a while. Um, I heard you recently on a, a space with Kayvon, uh, still oppressed on Twitter, and I, my neck hurt from agreeing so much. And uh, I, and I think you're, you're. Uh, you're good for this information, and I think you're a good person to ask these questions, which is uh, why I'm very happy to have you on today. I appreciate um, that very much. Yeah, yeah. And uh, um, so first off, um, obviously, the most recent development that's on everyone's mind, like last Sunday, Rafah was attacked by Israel in the south of Gaza. It was supposed to have been a safe zone. It was designated a safe zone. Israel said it would be a safe zone. But uh, it was then uh, bombed uh, on Super Bowl Sunday in a very strange zone of interest moment. And um, many have speculated this attack was specifically timed so that American audiences would be distracted while it was occurring. And I, this discourse was around a lot. I even you know, retweeted some stuff uh, uh, pertaining to this discourse. And I was wondering, uh, do you think there is any weight to this assertion that it was specifically timed during the Super Bowl so as to capture everyone's uh, distraction? I, I'm unsure if it was capitalized on uh, specifically for the Super Bowl itself, but I would not uh, discount it either. I had to be wishy-washy about that. Um, but I do know that they were aware of this mainly because there were ads that um, the Israeli government uh, promoted that happened during mm-hmm. the Super Bowl. There was a, there was an ad about uh, anti-Semitism uh, that played yeah. during it. Uh, the Israeli Foreign Ministry published a video before the Super Bowl where um, they specifically said, like, you know, you're enjoying, you're, you're um, cheering for your favorite team, but there are hostages that are still trapped in Gaza. Um, they obviously care immensely about uh, the American perception of Israel, uh, Pretty much every granular detail that pertains to it, um, the, it, it's it's a thing of like okay, they wanted to be distracted, but then again, this entire business that we have been enveloped in has been a result of the fact that American audiences, largely speaking, are not uh, moved by what has been happening uh, in Gaza. They hold opinions that there should be a ceasefire that. Um, what Israel is doing is unjustified, but in terms of being moved to action in a, in a large enough capacity that Israel would feel that could, it could only move if the Super Bowl was happening, um, I think there's weight to it. Um, I don't want to speak uh, authoritatively uh, yeah. about it. Yeah. 
But I, I mean, that was sort of like a pushback that I heard is like, so who is watching the Super Bowl? These are the people watching, you know, CNN mostly or, you know, stuff that really isn't reporting on Gaza that much. So that's why I thought maybe the assertion that, you know, um, this was being timed to the average American consumer might have been overstated, even though it just the fact that it occurred right exactly at the same time was also just, you know, if you're... And then the freaking Biden meme that came after the dark oh, Brandon Oh, God. Meme. I... If, if there was any... Oh, my God. My blood boiled when I saw that. It, it, it just... It's a perfect, perfect encapsulation of yeah. how there is a fundamental disconnect between what Biden sees as a priority and what everyone else in the Middle East sees as a priority. And more important to Biden... What Michigan sees as a priority. Oh, I mean, yeah. His whole thing is that he's pa- his campaign is panicking about Michigan and Arab voters and how they're perceiving this. And then even though he knows it's an issue, he keeps sending out campaign staff. He keeps sending out people to say that it's a problem of perception. And then when something horrifying happens, it's like, didn't you? That, that crazy thing with Travis Kelsey? It's like he... This campaign is objectively going quite badly. Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's correct to say. Yeah. And the White House doesn't know what it's doing. And on top of that, on top of not knowing what it's doing, it's actively malicious in what it's doing, which makes it unfathomably worse. I I think it's like look, everyone discounts young voters, and especially is I I think like if if I'm getting into the mind of like a Democratic strategist, I'm thinking so what Michigan. We can pick up Jewish votes in Florida and then that'll put us over the edge or something like that. If I'm thinking like these like one of these bloodless guys or like uh, um, or like the idea that because it's really turning off young people. And I know young people don't vote, but if enough of them don't vote, it's going to hurt you. So do you think that there is like how much of this uh, do you think will affect the eventual voting for Biden? I think there is a good chance. I've said this before. I think there's a really good chance that this is what tips it in favor of Trump if things yeah. don't don't change. Um, not in the sense like people when I, when I, I see uh, American liberals comment online, um, there seems to be this general perception that they're going to switch from Biden to Trump, which is not the case. It's what you're saying. They're going to just stay home. They're yeah. not going to participate in the process and. If we're talking about something that is as necessary as Michigan to this to this process, that alone can be can be the tipping point. And they assume that at the end of this, that eventually, um, like in 2020, people will rise up to the fact that Trump is not uh, what America needs and that fundamentally uh, they'll go for Biden again. They'll, they'll give them another four years and they'll, they'll get the job done or, or whatever. But if you believe as an Arab, as a Palestinian American even, that the treatment under Biden of Palestinians has been identical, if not worse, than Trump during that administration, this is something mm-hmm. that affects your family, likely back in Palestine. What incentive do you have to to vote for Trump? Because, okay, I, I again, I see people talking about how, well, I mean, if Trump is in office, then Israel would carpet bomb Gaza. 
I don't think they they actually know what the scale of destruction is in the strip right now. Yeah. I don't think they understand the because again, American news media is not going into detail about this. Yeah. Uh, if they're not these, following, these people yeah. aren't going onto Times of Gaza. You know, they're definitely no, no, you no. can. I mean, you can go on there and just see the worst thing you've ever seen in your life daily. And no, uh, people they don't get that information. Pe- people, people, I think see images now and again of the suffering that happens, but then they compartmentalize it under well, Hamas should just surrender and then they go on with their day. Or um, I think about The Guardian in particular, if you're talking about a British paper, there mm-hmm. was a time, I think a few weeks ago, uh, not even that, several weeks ago, um, when there was fighting around the Khan Yunus, where if you wanted information about Gaza at a time when people, when 200 some people were dying every single day, far mm-hmm. more civilian deaths than them were happening in Ukraine at any point, you had to scroll down to the very bottom of the page, and only then would you find a story that was two weeks old. Mm-hmm. Like this is not there, there. There's a deliberate deprioritization of this, mm-hmm. so that people are low information about it. And yeah, from there you get these kind of warped perceptions of what's happening. But people in Michigan, people who are Arab, people who are Palestinian, they get this information. They mm-hmm. they they understand the, the full scope of what's happening, and they're not. <laughs> they're they're like if you tell someone oh it's going to be worse in gaza under trump it's like how could it be what is worse yeah than this and this isn't a slouch of a voter base these people these people consistently vote they're there's like they're, they're very like that's how rashida talib is in fucking congress to begin with you know it's like it's a pretty it's Th- these 200,000 people really matter. <laughs> no, no, people like, like there are, oh, I remember there was a, there was a video and I, I, I want to say on CBS, uh, someone could correct me if I'm wrong, uh, where there is someone who had really gone out of his way to, to promote Biden in 2020. And mm-hmm. he had come to, he had explained very reasonably, like, I don't feel like I can support him in 2024 based on this, this, and this, and that issue related to Gaza. And the responses from it were just treating him again, like like someone who had just like fallen out of the sky and was articulating a completely incoherent opinion that was based on nothing. And these are the people who were responsible for Biden uh, winning in 2020. Mm-hmm. These were like he the fact that Biden would treat Arabs and Muslims better than Trump was at the forefront of that of that election campaign yeah. because of the muslim ban because of everything if you delete that from your uh platform do you like these people like this is a larger discussion but fundamentally these are people with human being these are human beings with thought processes they respond to what they see in front of them and when they see something in front of them that is not what they want, yeah. what do you think that they do? I don't know. We can disagree about this, but I think they respond how <laughs> yeah, well, normal people do. I mean, it's the same, not just with Arab Americans, but with broadly of, of young people as well, where it's like, so the the argument that I always hear of why we need to keep doing electoralism or why, you know, it's a harsh pill to swallow, you know, the 99% Hitler arguments is that... Um, which very funny phrase, an all-time great phrase. Uh, but uh, uh, 
Yeah, the one that I frequently hear, especially among my queer peers, and it's slightly compelling is that, look, the trans stuff is about to hit the wall. So, But the other problem with that is when Democrats get in power, they don't do protections. Like, they allow Dobbs to happen. How can you trust them to, like, protect your rights? It's like the voters depressed because Democrats can't actually get progressive legislation into action. So that argument is pretty uncompelling, even for queer people who know that shit's about to hit the fan in terms of like hormone bans and stuff like that. No, so it's, yeah. and this, this is an argument that like, even if I'm thinking of um, like, uh, like, like again, swallowing the pill, as you said, if there mm-hmm. were a different democratic candidate, like let's say uh, Gretchen Whitmer, who's the current governor Whitmer. Like, of, 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 Michigan. of Michigan. Yeah. yeah. Great. Amazing. Uh, I don't like, okay, I'm not like a liberal Democrat, but like if you tell me, hey, if you vote for Gretchen Whitmer, uh, you can stop Donald Trump, like I would have severe problems with her yeah. as a candidate, but like that's that's a way easier sell oh, yeah. than well, Joe Biden. You- Joe Biden is uniquely under, uh, uh, like f- horrifically bad as a candidate. Even Ezra Klein is saying this. Like, <laughs> I didn't a, see that. That's, there, there that's is a, there, you've lost Vox. You've, you've, lo- lost, you've <laughs> lost. You've lost this man. Like I, there was a piece. I think. I think just today uh, that that Klein put out where he was talking about like I, I'm having like terrifying visions of tell-all books that come out in 2025 and 2026 for Democratic staffers talk about how uh, we we shouldn't have we should have done more. Like that's the level. Of like yeah. like panic that people are having, and this is this is entirely like this is avoidable. This was avoidable, and and uh, we've been led into this um, this kind of uh, uh, killing cage again. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I I I don't know. It's it's the it's sort of that inescapable gerontocracy of American politics. It was the same with Diane Feinstein. For some reason, you achieve a certain. I, I always observed this as a weird part of America where 99% of the elders just get totally abused. Like they just, you know, end a terrible end of life. But if you're in that 1% of elders that make it into some sort of entrenched power, you're there for life. You could be like, you could be on the slab and they'd still be following your orders or like using your hand weekend at Bernie style to sign bills or something like that. So it's like, what... What is it about that entrenched gerontocracy? Why can't we get rid of this? You know, what? what is it about it? Yeah, I mean, that's a very difficult question. That's like, <sighs> you got to go back God. to like Hobbes or something like that to answer that. <laughs> no, I mean, these people, I, I, if I can only speak to Biden, I mean, we forget that um, in 2020, during the primaries, I mean, Bernie uh, won the popular vote in Iowa, won mm-hmm. New Hampshire, won Nevada. What did Biden uh, Pete do? Pete Buttigieg won in Iowa. Well, well okay. Well, <laughs> also, da, da, da. I will say, I will say, I was here in Lebanon during the Iowa caucus, and it was immensely satisfying to like turn on um, like Arab networks, mm-hmm. and you could you could see that they were talking about election irregularities in America. <laughs> that was an amazing thing. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I mean, when Biden was forced to stand on his own, he got what fifth in Iowa, and I think sixth in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Like he whole he's able to when when the DNC is able to wield that influence and just coal everybody. Like actually, this is the nominee now. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid you're all going to have to kind of buckle behind him if you want to stop 
yeah. even like a, a shred of social democracy from happening. Yeah, Obama I, started making phone calls. Pete, I'm gonna kill you if you don't <laughs> if you don't step. <laughs> Pete, we can't. I'm sorry, we can't. The the West Wing is over, son. You're, you're, <laughs> we're, we're putting you in jail. No, um, no, I, I, it, it's a, it's an, it's an incredibly uh, masochistic thing. Yeah. And what I fear on some level is what happens when this gerontocracy inevitably dies off mm-hmm. because there, what is like, nothing is being offered to the younger generation. And at the top, I mean, n- nothing's being built. And then when the top dies off, what does the democratic party feasibly offer like mm-hmm. as an institution? Um, I, I don't, I don't know. This is, again, this is a larger discussion. I don't know. I don't, yeah. it, it, it's, it's a frightening thing to think about. It is a frightening thing to think about. I mean, there is a, this is going to sound dumb as hell, but there okay. is a phrase that I keep thinking about and it's from Dragon Ball Z and All right. it's something, <laughs> but it's one that always stuck in my head because I do think it accurately sort of describes cycles of history, which is the flame flickers most violently before it's about to go out, which is what Master Roshi says. And it's like, yeah, that's, I think that's sort of what we're seeing now with Netanyahu is he knows that there's a limited amount of time to get away with something like this. You know, once Biden and the gerontocracy dies out, young people who just inevitably by the, the dint of time will get into power, you know, people that know about Palestine and who haven't been propagandized. And so he knows that 20, 30 years down the line, this will not be nearly as possible, which is why he's doing this now. Do you think there's any root to this assertion or do you think like America will still hold on to Israeli hegemony like 30 years from now? I, th- I think that's I think that's a good assessment. Um, it's a really interesting sort of like, um, I don't know if the right word is like, like, like ships who are passing in the night by each other. Because the young people in America are increasingly pro-Palestine, very like openly pro-Palestine. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- there was an image from I think DC a few weeks ago where someone was flying the flag of Abu Obeida, who is the spokesman for Hamas, in the middle mm-hmm. of DC. <laughs> that wow! <laughs> like like that's how much the discourse has shifted from where yeah. it was even when I was a kid, and I'm both elderly and extremely young. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like. Uh, uh, so, so the youth in America is becoming more uh, pro-Palestinian, but the youth in Israel mm-hmm. is getting extremely fascistic with every passing generation. Uh, when the protests against Netanyahu happened, the main base of those people who were protesting against a judicial overhaul, which would have, you know, abolished a lot of, um, uh, uh, I don't know, the, I forget this exact legal term, but like, like a lot of safeguards around the Israeli court system. They were primarily Ashkenazi uh, adults, people in people above the age of 30, yeah. um, people who remember a time in Israeli politics in which, uh, you know, labor Zionism, uh, things of that nature were more uh, prominent. Yitzhak Rabin, genocidal, but not as genocidal. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, like the, 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 the genesis of, of extermination was still there, but it was dressed up uh, maybe a little bit nicer. 
And there was also a willingness on the part of the politicians to draw a line somewhere. But like, okay, we've exterminated all of these people. We've, we've displaced all these people. But like, okay, we'll give you Gaza. Maybe we'll put on the table. We'll give you the West Bank, like maybe sometime in the future. They at least discuss these things uh, openly, even if they never intended for these things to be permanent. Um, that discussion is, is on its way out. Completely, mm -hmm. entirely. Mm -hmm. There is a belief after with people who have grown up in an Israel that has never lost anything, uh, at least in the mind uh, of them. I mean, we can argue about whether they lost 2006. I would argue they did in Lebanon. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, you grew up in Israel. What have you always heard about? 1967, you conquered Jerusalem, you uh, West Bank, Gaza, you occupied them. Uh, yeah. it, it, you 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 occupied the Sinai Peninsula, went into South Lebanon. Um, you you pushed into Syria, into Egypt in the seventies, uh, on the banks of Damascus and Cairo. Uh, the whole world buckles at buckles when mm -hmm. when they hear about the IDF, the fearsome IDF. Uh, that's 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 the atmosphere in which these people live. And when you live in that sort of atmosphere, you believe that you are capable of anything. And that yeah. you should, the, the, like, the land of Israel, the biblical land of Israel, however far it stretches into uh, the Middle East, it belongs to you. And when October 7th happened and Hamas brought the battle inside Israel itself, which no other Arab country had ever done before, mm -hmm. that sort of humiliation, uh, as you said, with Master Roshi, the flame, <laughs> the flame grow like grows intense, very yeah. intense as it starts to burn out. And now there is a feeling that they need to finish the job in Gaza and that in that uh, the West Bank should be annexed. Um, yeah, because because there is a belief that this is time limited. We've yeah. like the timeline in which we wanted to achieve this goal has been shortened immensely. And this is both an opportunity for us to do what we need to, to do, what we feel that we need to do, uh, we, which we've been saying has always been a danger that we need to take care of. Uh, but also it, it, it is incredibly perilous because at a certain point, governments will say that enough is enough, even if they brought it to this point. Like you see uh, Germany, Germany, one of, the, one of the biggest backers of Israel in this to, yeah. to a sycophantic degree. They're saying that there shouldn't be an offensive in Rafah, uh, Canada, Australia, New Zealand saying there needs to be a ceasefire right now. Yeah. Um, there is a belief that Rafa in particular will be the moment in which the cameras will be on Palestine and the images that erupt from it will be impossible to ignore. And that the justification based on the fact that these are terrorists, that there are uh, four Hamas battalions that need to be destroyed, that there is no possible justification for this. Mm -hmm. And that what Israel wants, which according to the Wall Street Journal, is to send either Palestinians into Egypt or to put them on boats from which they can go to Europe, which good fucking luck convincing yeah. anyone to do that. Um, they know what's going to happen if you do that. <laughs> they yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, not, you might as well die if you're gonna if you're gonna be displaced anyway. You know. Yeah, it, it's there is an understanding of what these images will entail to the larger world, and they believe that if they can do this within the window of October seventh was so horrible, that's why we need to exterminate this entire race. If they can do it within that window, they believe they will be able to save Israel's reputation. 
Uh, I don't think that's the case. I think his reputation is sealed, at least yep. where I live. Um, it wasn't great before. Uh, let's let's just yeah, say. But this is this uh, is that no, they're not. This is beyond the pale. This is they're definitely Nazis. This yeah. is like you can't deny that anymore. It's just no. a pure fascist country. In in Gulf countries, I mean Saudi Arabia. This was a country that was on the verge of normalization with Israel. They were forced yeah. to pull back from it, and a lot of Saudis, even if they didn't like Israel, they had grown to believe that economic relations were acceptable. That like, um, you know, even if even if Israel is a nation that we should oppose, you know, may, yeah. maybe there's a way to like integrate with here. And now it's rolled yeah. back the clock. Golden Arches theory does not work. It does no, absolutely no, does no, not no, work. No, it's it's this is something Israel. Israel, this is a, <laughs> this is a country that is both capable of is a country that is capable of understanding the predicament that it has placed itself in only after it is it has stuck its head inside the beehive, mm-hmm. and. Even even then, its second thoughts are only at what hour should we initiate the campaign of of murder? Um, when they talk about invading Lebanon again, when they talk about when they're going to uh, go for what Netanyahu calls uh, the total final victory. Yeah, um, that, that was disturbing. That was like, very that's, final that's solution-esque. Liter- that's literally like Enzig. Like yeah. that, that's what that's what Hitler was talking about, uh, and, Goib- and and Goebbels was talking about. Um, like there, there's no perception that Israel should come back from the brink from this, because America, despite all that it says that Biden, Jesus, there have been like twenty articles over the past three months where it's like what Biden uh, called uh, Netanyahu like a fuck or something. Like I hate that guy. <laughs> But yeah. like, okay, he calls them him that behind the scenes, but then he, you know, uh, not only gives Israel all the weapons it wants, but goes around Congress multiple times to give him that money. Like, Israel doesn't feel like it needs to pull back from any of this at all. Why should it? This is this is the 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 battle plan thinking that it produces. I mean, what I found very interesting was that. Um, so the, the big compact of Western countries that are really the biggest Israel backers are like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's US, Canada, UK, and Germany. And those are basically the four. Um, even other Central European countries, like France is less amenable to Israel or like, I don't know why, maybe because or something like, but they don't seem to, I mean, I'm probably getting that wrong, actually. I mean, I mean, slightly. I mean, Macron right now, uh, at least yesterday, at least might have been actually today was talking about how. Uh, Israel shouldn't go into Rafa, and also they have a socialist. Uh, they have socialist parties, so they actually need to, you yeah. know, stop from stop from uh, uh, making problems, which is not the case in Germany, yeah. where even the other uh, successor party to the East German ruling party is unbelievably pro-Israel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. 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 We found a way to be, you know, do reparations for the Holocaust and do genocide. So this is works out great for us. This is a uh, welfare. This is yeah. it's good. Did you see that freaking German float of the? Of oh, the- there were multiple. I, 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 there was the one where the Hamas fighters were pushing the uh, the Palestinians in front of an Israeli tank. 
Uh, and then there was another one where there was a Palestinian, uh, there was a dog who was labeled uh, hate. Where the, <laughs> the, the, the color was the bouncing <laughs> in flat colors. Like, Jesus. And there was another float at a different city where uh, I think it literally, I, 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 I'm, I may be getting this wrong because it was, it's been a few days since I've seen it, but uh, either they were playing a song or it was written on the float, Foreigners Out, and uh, it was in the form of Legos. Uh, like it was a Lego float. I, I, I don't, underst- one, I don't understand. That's Danish. That's not even your country. So if you... I, the, when, you're, when you're white, I guess it's like it's both... I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't, it, it, it doesn't, <laughs> yeah. it, nobody ever said that fascism was consistent. I yeah, think it just molds to whatever you you need to power formulation you need at the time. But um, that's what's also interesting to me about this is, is like this is has been like a huge we were talking about media strategy and Israeli media strategy. But, but it's astonishing to me how sophisticated Hamas's media strategy is just in like terms of like in terms of like propaganda. Right. Is about projecting sort of power and integrity and honor. Right. And if you're doing that, Hamas's propaganda is doing laps around Israel. Israel's propaganda and why they're using young people is their TikToks make them look like cackling diarrhea ass villains, you know, whereas like the Hamas propaganda, they do the red triangles. They're murking them. Two guys murking a Merkava tank. You have like the underdog overdog set up already. It's like I, I like and to me, that's like deliberate on their part because they know that, you know, they can win a ground war against Israel because Israel sucks at fighting a ground war. But, you know, Israel can also just bomb them to hell. So they can't win an extended war against them necessarily. So media strategy is a huge component of it. Can you talk about that a little? Yeah. Um, no, the, these like I was brought up and I think a lot of people were brought up with the idea that Israel's PR strategy was like second to none. Yeah. And uh, for a while, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily sophisticated. Like I look back on a lot of what they did and it's it's not terribly different from what they're doing now. But they knew, I think, when to keep their mouth shut better. Yeah. And they absolutely do not have that that ability now. They cannot. There is no discipline among IDF soldiers, which is good for like us, yeah. because this has been instrumental. And in, I think uh, um uh, destroying the perception that Israeli soldiers have of being like the very best of the best, but yeah, they're not Munich. The, yeah. This isn't Munich, you know. No, no, is- no, 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 no. These guys, the, these. Oh my god! Like, it's like the Three Stooges are IDF, and you know. No, they, oh god, uh, fascist Three Stooges! What a what yeah. a what a fucking mess! No, but they, and, and I think they know to some degree how good the Hamas propaganda strategy is for two reasons. One, in that. Uh, they've literally tried to replicate the Red Triangle thing with their own uh, videos, at least published by their Arabic language spokesman. Um, like, okay, in every Hamas Red Triangle video you see, which, by the way, there is Red Triangle graffiti in a lot of places around the city. Yeah. Like, it's it's a phenomenon for sure. And it's so very in, effective media strategy. They came yeah, up yeah. with a really good symbol. It's very It's very simple. And... In every single video you see, why does that triangle appear? It's because there is a tank, there is a soldier, and that is it. And you see it because the Hamas fighter in the video is about to hit it with a rocket or with a sniper rifle or something. And you almost always see the visible uh, enemy in that video. If you don't see the impact, 
you at least see the enemy specifically. Um, when Israel tried to replicate this with their own response, where they did either a blue triangle, because Israel blew in the flag, <laughs> or they literally did the Star of David as the oh. radical, which, ah, uh. that, that, that's, that's fucking insane. Yeah, uh, putting a Star of David on a Palestinian, why do these people not recognize they're doing the Holocaust again? It's no, like, no it's, it's, it's literally, like, this is a video that, like, the Daily Showa would make. Yeah. Like that that's that's fucking insane. And uh th well and and even then there very rarely in any video that the IDF puts out do you see like physical Hamas fighters. I've only seen now I haven't seen every single video they put out. I've maybe only seen like two or three videos where like there is a Hamas fighter that is identifiable and is shooting. And the IDF has put out you know probably hundreds of videos of its of its soldiers in combat at this point. And when they put out the the blue reticle videos, it's just buildings getting blown up. It's not Hamas fighters getting blown up. It's just infrastructure getting targeted by tanks or by airstrikes. And when the IDF puts out videos of its soldiers fighting, they're very often, you don't see any enemy fighters. You just see them firing at empty schools or inside stairwells or they're running and they're not running into battle at the forefront. They're running clearly after tanks have gone through because they don't like to get out of the tanks. How do we know they don't like to get out of the tanks? Because there are Hamas videos where the fighters are able to get up right to the tank because there's no infantry support around it. Like, <laughs> this is... This is not... Mickey Mouse Army! This freaking fucking Mickey Mouse Army! What are they doing? No, it, it's... This is a media strategy that Israel has tried and tried and tried to counter. And with a domestic audience, certainly it works. With an American audience, there are millions, practically, of journalists who are more than willing to take the IDF if they're worried about everything. They don't need to do much. But with Arabs, who they're trying to taunt mm -hmm. or uh, maybe trying to influence on some level, uh, they're failing uh, horribly because they have no idea. Like, I don't mean to be... Um, propagandistic when I say this, but what I see, and we can disagree on this again. Yeah, we'll see. Um, when I see a Hamas fighter emerge out of a tunnel and then place a uh, tank round directly on top of an armored vehicle and then shoot it. Yes. And then go back into the tunnel. When I compare that to a video of an IDF soldier uh, firing into the air somewhere where the camera is angled in such a way as to I can't see what he's shooting at. Like there's yeah. there's there's two levels here. Yes. Where I am inspired. Theoretically, I, I'm someone watching these two videos. There's one where I'm I mean, wow, that's that's crazy. That's an insane thing for a guy to do. And then there's oh, okay, he's just shooting at something. Yeah. Okay. What all right. It's very interesting how much better, like, and you're you're a cinema fan too, but it's like classic show don't tell, right? Yeah, it's very much there's no like oh, no. there's yeah. no there's no like there, there's no um, like I think of um, uh, this is a real deep cut, but my 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 cinema majors will, will respect me for for talking about this. Like mm -hmm. we're talking about uh, like the old school. Uh, communist propaganda from like the 70s and 80s yeah. during the Lebanese Civil War. Like these fucking people love talking about theory. 
They loved talking about loved like long speeches and you barely see anything. Mm-hmm. It's it's not good. Here, almost no narration. There, there's literally maybe someone does a speech for like five seconds. Yeah. Literally all of it is just you see a clearly identifiable enemy. Mm-hmm. And then they get shot and that's it. There's no fluff. There's no uh, um, there, there's, there's, it's all meat. None yeah. of it is no bone. It's, it's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, uh, if you are like someone who is trying to create military propaganda, it's smart. Um, yeah, I don't disagree yeah. with you on this. I think Hamas has Hamas knows that it, especially because it knows it's not going to appeal to Israeli children or uh, children, but young people. But I think it knows that it appeals to uh, American young people. And that's going to be important for the future because eventually these young people will get into power. And if they just directly see something like I see the thing that I hear most from like 20 somethings is why they're pro-Palestine is because, yeah, TikToks, you know, which is bizarre, but it works, you know. So, so um, yeah, that that media strategy and the fact that there's so much better at media strategy has, I think, really played an important role uh, no, in, this, no, no. in this current conflict. TikTok, TikTok in particular. I mean, I can only speak a little bit about this, but I've also been shocked at like how important TikTok has been for disseminating opinions about Palestine to a very wide audience, like an immense audience that I wasn't aware of before. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I think it is changing opinion, which is also why I think American politicians are, are getting more uh, intense about banning it, mm-hmm. uh, which is a different a different yeah, that's another but, yeah. episode. We'll do that on the China episode. But uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, yeah, so um, I think uh, obviously Gaza's front and center, um, as it should be. But we're sort of talking about because this conflict doesn't seem to be ending. They keep rejecting uh, ceasefire proposals from Hamas. As we said before, this is like they're going to try and push this as far as it can go before um something happens to stop it. But I I don't know what that's going to be. But I think the most, one of the most worrying things is that Israel has already attacked Lebanon uh, this time. And if this conflict extends beyond Gaza, it seems like Lebanon's going to be the first to get it. Um, Do you think there's a a truth to this? Or are you worried on the ground on Lebanon? Or like, what's the tenor there? I mean, I think it's going to happen. Uh, I think like I'm 90, 85, 90% sure that something's going to happen uh, in the south of Lebanon at the very least. Mm-hmm. Um, in Beirut, though, where I live, it's a really different story. And I think it's illustrative of a lot of things about Lebanese history. Um, like there's, I, I've said this before, but Beirut and South Beirut, where there's a lot of Hezbollah influence, a lot of Hezbollah voters, mm-hmm. these are... are different universes (laughs) practically yeah um like and and it's difficult to like articulate that to to uh westerners like when saleh al-aruri the hamas deputy chair was assassinated in a drone strike um i and and like i I would tell people like like people people would contact me it's like like seamus are you okay and i would say yeah i mean it's, it's fine it was like two miles away from me and yeah. to me, when I say that, that sounds like a really far away location. Mm-hmm. But when anybody else hears that, like that's that's insanely close to a, yeah. a, a military engagement. Um, no, it, it's 
people perceive here in Lebanon that what affects South Lebanon, what affects Shias in particular, mm -hmm. uh, does not affect the whole. And and um, it, it, that has like like at least where I am in my neighborhood, which mm -hmm. people listening can't see this, but if you look behind me. Uh, there's a Virgin Mary statue here. I did not buy that. That came with the apartment. <laughs> very, very um, Christian part. The Peter yeah. Dow part of Lebanon. Yeah. No, literally. There is um when I when I walk five minutes away uh from my house, I'm in uh Sassine Square. And in Sassine Square, there are two huge memorials to Bashir Jamail. And for history aficionados, Bashir Jamail was the president elect of Lebanon whose assassination led to the Sabra Shatila massacres. Like, if we're talking about uh, pro-Palestine neighborhoods of this city, uh, this is not one of them. Mm -hmm. um, like, with with people who support parties like Kata'ib, uh, the Lebanese forces, there is a perception that uh, Hezbollah is the one who's dragging Lebanon into this war and that the Palestinians should leave and that it's a and it's a and it's all... Mm -hmm. nonsense but that is the perception among it um but otherwise if we're just talking about general anxieties i don't really sense it um war has been you know a pretty constant uh you know aspect of this country's modern history i mean there was the lebanese civil war and then there was the war in 2006 with israel uh there was a conflict in 2008 where uh, Hezbollah and other militias battled here in the city. Uh, there was a Syrian civil war where, mm -hmm. where there was there was spillover into this country. Um, everybody you talk to has a story about, you know, what conflicts they lived through, what they did. And there's certainly worries about what will happen, but it's not something like, like if I think about a similar situation happening in America or in Canada, Mm -hmm. I would anticipate like a, a real sense of societal upheaval. Whereas, mm -hmm. I mean, there aren't any runs on the grocery store. There aren't, um, you, know, you know, there's not panic in the streets. Yeah. People go about their days for the most part. That's, that's very interesting. Um, do you think there is like a sense of protection that Beirut has because it is so internationalized and very pent up within the international capitalist system or, because I, one of the most fascinating things that I read, I remember reading this thing that Josh Edinger Mentum posted, uh, and he was talking about it. Was, it was um, how Reagan is actually to the left of Biden on this. Because when Begin was bombing Beirut in 1982, like Reagan gave him a phone call, and was like, "You're making us look bad. You can't do this." Do you think the fact that uh, Lebanon is like a is an internationally recognized state and and has some sort of, you know, interconnection with uh, the international world, gives it some sort of protection or, um, yeah. This is actually a really interesting question. And this is a point of some debate. Yeah. Um, I know within Israeli circles uh, who, who, have, who have talked about this, um, South Beirut, that can get bombed to oblivion without anybody caring. There's a perception yeah. in the news media that it's a Hezbollah stronghold, that therefore anything goes. And furthermore, the Lebanese government is not going to protect it. Um, with Beirut proper in particular, um, it wasn't bombed very much during 2006. I think only a handful of strikes. Um, 
It wasn't bombed very much. Oh my! I mean, (laughs) mean, the standards are so different. The standards are very low, but like it is, it is sort of a standard. Like there's a there's a line that can't that can't be crossed. It is real perceived there to be. Um, I wish I had like like a more authoritative answer, but I don't know. Like, yes, it's an internationally recognized capital. The government here in Lebanon is one that is at least attempting to be friendly. With, with other countries in Europe and, and in yeah. North America. Um, but also, I mean, I mean, I don't think, I personally don't think that even if war is almost inevitable here in this country, I, I still, to a similar percentage, I don't think it will affect uh, where I am specifically. There is always a chance that Israel, because it's been able to do this kind of thing unfettered. Yeah. Uh, continues on into Beirut and does what, you know, Yov Galant, the defense minister, has said, and the Netanyahu has said, that they're going to turn Beirut into Gaza or into uh, Khan Yunus. Yeah. Um, like, I don't think that's going to happen necessarily, at least in this part of the city. But yeah. after this, I don't think anything's off the table with, like, complete certainty. Yeah, we're really in the Hitler in the bunker moment, it feels like, and uh, where he's just, you know, making making strange decisions where if like if if you're interested in self-preservation, this is probably not starting a fight with everybody is not the way to go about it. You know, no, no, I I, Lebanon in particular. I mean, this is this is this is still fucking insane to me uh, because Hamas has already proven through October 7th, that it was much more military capable than I think many people thought, mm-hmm. um, including a lot of people who, who observe Palestine with far more intensity than I do. Um, but even then, I mean, this is a this is a group that did not have really any uh, targeting missile capabilities, um, didn't have, you know, heavy armor, didn't, uh, wasn't nearly as trained as other groups are on the resistance axis. And then it is still given Israel a huge headache uh, from which it is trying desperately to extract itself from in some form or another. Yeah. Hezbollah, on the other hand, this is a group that literally everyone acknowledges is well-trained, has far better uh, equipment than Hamas does, um, has uh, weapons stocks, um, uh, uh, which are gargantuan. Um, it is basically a conventional army mm-hmm. almost and it is far more powerful than lebanon's military itself um any war with hezbollah in its current state is going to be uh immensely damaging to the israeli state uh completely there's no doubt about this in my mind um this is a this is a a group that has the capability to fire thousands literally thousands of rockets into Israel, not just for hours at a time like Hamas was able to do uh, on October 7th, mm-hmm. but can do it continuously for days. And it, and it has been able to penetrate into Israeli airspace and hit buildings without activating the Iron Dome. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been able to hit pinpoint strikes at Israeli military infrastructure. Like we are talking devastation within Tel Aviv, within Haifa, uh, northern command of the Israeli military, uh, devastated. Um, 
significant civilian casualties. And yet you see polls of the Israeli public just today saying that like, or the Lebanon, that's a great idea. Let's do it. Yeah. I don't fascist death urge, you know, that's I, they just want to fight and die. That's all they want to do. They really think this is like going to like Gaza went like well, quote unquote, well for them. They didn't have to feel it as much. So yeah. like, I guess Lebanon, we could just do this like no problem. What yeah. was everybody getting scared about? But also not just Lebanon. They killed five ir top Iranian guys in Syria. Why are you trying to start the famously uninvadable Iran? The famously you can never win a war in this country country. You know, why are they trying to do that? Why? I, I think they uh, this, this is this is the thing of like, I don't think Israel wants to invade Iran directly. I don't think it has that capability like at all, but it would love if the U.S. would would invade Iran but on yeah. its behalf. And if it can, if it can draw America into that, it'd be very happy. There, there's a per, there's a perception that Iran, at the head of this whole thing, uh, resistance axis, biggest player in that in that um, in that sort of quasi alliance. Yeah, that's what my if Fox you, News it, dad believes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if 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 you take out the head of the snake, right? Then then you do. I'm trying to do the affect of like Netanyahu when he was trying to advocate for Iraq to a given <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, if you, if you take out that of the snake, uh, democracy will reign. Like like there's a belief that if you that if Iran is removed from the equation, that Palestine, Iraq, Syria, Lebanon, all these different countries will be much easier to deal with. And yes, of course, that would be that would degrade their capabilities immensely. Iran mm -hmm. funds a lot of these a lot of these groups, but I don't need to tell you. I hope I don't need to tell you. Yeah. That. Uh, a war with a regional power by America, assisted by Israel, yeah. um, is going to be more immensely destabilizing than uh, anything else you could possibly yeah. concoct. I mean, look, look what fucking happened in Iraq. Yeah. I mean, it, like... A million you, dead. You want a million dead? I guess yeah, well, they no, do. No, no. We, we, we want even more. We want... Uh, look, there is no end to the to the myopia that Israel likes to uh, project. I mean, a few weeks before October 7th, Net, maybe not even that, Netanyahu was at the UN and he presented a map to everyone because he loves infographics. And it says, it's, it, it said a new Middle East. And he pointed out all these countries that had made peace with Israel over the past few years. And it's like, we're, we're, we're charting a new path forward. Everybody likes us. It's it, it good times forever. We're gonna like Abraham Accords. It's all good. A thousand years Israel. That, and and um like like there was a perception among among Americans among Israelis that the Palestinians would be content to live in a cage for the rest of their lives, and uh, they would live, they would die. Generations would come and go. Eh, it's fine. We'll take some it's rockets yeah, now yeah, and again. Say, yeah, so. Look, hey, it worked I, for America with its indigenous population. So you know, it's like, yeah. I, I there's an immense arrogance here that permeates everything, and it. I I, I was about to name something extremely uh, a really intelligent piece of criticism about, uh, about Marx, and then I entirely forgot it. Um, <laughs> but it, it was. Um, 
like it's it's a it's a long term theory that Israel will will succeed, right? And that it keeps getting interrupted by by short term failures, uh, short term failures that are entirely self inflicted mm-hmm. uh, by the Israeli state against itself, where it believes that um, maybe if I just like turn up the pressure a little bit more, they'll abandon yeah. all their dreams of national dignity and uh, freedom, and uh, they'll acquiesce to uh, being our slaves. Yeah, I don't. That doesn't I, usually work, but we can we can disagree again. We can disagree. I, I love I, I love democracy. No, I, no, I agree. <laughs> I'm fully on board. <laughs> I'm nodding my head from agreeing so much. Uh, I to say that again. Uh, but I mean, that's the other thing about the perception of Iran is like, look, no one likes the imams, but they've been like far more rational. Like, remember when Trump just murdered that guy? <laughs> he murdered the general. And then they didn't do anything because they know that escalation is bad and would be bad for everybody. Just in terms of like rational leadership, like it's hard to say that Iran is is like doing worse than Israel. In fact, they're no, doing much, much better, it seems. No, like, like OK, the, the thing that a lot of Hezbollah supporters have had to deal with in terms of in terms of discourse is like, why isn't Hezbollah doing enough? There was a perception that once Gaza was invaded that they would go into the north of Israel and they put a stop to all this. Hmm. Um, the thing that they've been talking about is that the resistance axis benefits nothing from, you know, going in hog wild with no plan. So they've been, you know, uh, pincer, you know, doing pincer firing at, uh, you know, Israeli military installations, showing their capabilities and diverting Israeli military resources while still maintaining the situation that currently exists in Lebanon, where it's not all-out war. Um, in Iran, they're content at this point to not try and escalate things any further, because again, nothing has benefited from Iran, again, going just like balls to the walls into Israel to, to put a stop to all this, even though you know people would like that, that's not gonna solve the situation. That's gonna make things, that's, that's gonna make things infinitely worse. And uh, with Iran specifically, yeah. I mean, when Soleimani was assassinated, there was a ballistic missile barrage onto Assad Air Base in Iraq. But again, with Hezbollah, this is a show of capability. This is a show like if you take the situation further, we can do this at every single other base in Iraq. Like we can force you out of this country if that is what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, like that is what a country that knows its strength does. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you're, you're correct. This stands in stark contrast to Israel that has never seen a war it didn't want to fight. Mm-hmm. And then when it gets into a war that turns out to be much harder than it thought it was, uh, gets rapidly angry and starts lashing out at college students inside the United States. Yeah. Like – one one faction in the world holds the 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 rope as it were of escalation mm-hmm. and israel and the united states keep yanking it to see what other people will do and then they get angry when they don't respond with immense retaliation which then means that they have to create keep the conditions in which yeah in, in which they have to respond and they go oh oh teacher they did it look at them they did it they fired the rockets we have to go in we have to kill them all Like, I mean, that's whole like that whole like it's the nerd bully 
You know what yeah, I'm talking yeah. about? Like a little nerd who antagonizes everybody and then, or and then, you know, it's, or that tweet, which is, I'm a little birthday boy. I'm a little birthday. You know, it's that. Don't hurt and me. That, yeah. That, that just uniquely without honor, uniquely without character or integrity. No, no. I don't, I, I've been, I've been talking, I've been talking too much about this, but like, uh, Israel, like Israeli rhetoric in particular on Twitter, on, uh, in the news, it's, you can see the indignance that, are, that it responds with whenever it is questioned about anything. Uh, it's a unique kind of, of, of arrogance that is only produced if, uh, as, as um, I believe Gideon Levy talks about this, it's the only fascist state that believes itself to be both the absolute victor and also the absolute victim, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. Which is um, crazy yeah. because that's the Nazi impression of the Jews, it, it, the most it, powerful, and the little rats and worms, you know? Yeah, it, it's, 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 uh, well, that, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a different discussion about how, like, you'll, you'll sometimes go into, like, uh, Israeli forums on Reddit, and I remember there was a, there was a meme that someone posted uh, where they complained about the fact that the Nazis said that they shouldn't belong in Europe and then they left and then everybody got mad that they left Europe. And it's like, were the Nazis right? What are you saying? <laughs> yeah. What the fuck is wrong with you? Like you, you like you've been sold a, a false bill of goods here. Yeah. And um, it, it, it's again, I saw a tweet uh, from um, Kojat just today, which for those who don't know is the authority that handles Palestinian affairs in in the West Bank and now in Gaza because of reasons, and they posted about how uh, the UN was leaving aid at the border within Gaza. They need to scale up their operations. Just a few hours earlier, the UN had posted video of destroyed UN facilities from Israeli airstrikes. Yeah. They can't just win. That that's that's for normal fascist states. They can't always be winning. Yeah. You know, I, ISIS to the very end, they were posting about from like their little hovels and baruz in this tiny little village on the river in Syria. They were talking about how we're going to conquer the world, guys. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Israel does the absolute victory thing, but then it's like, why isn't why isn't everyone helping us? Why aren't why isn't everyone in the world helping us while we also antagonize the entire earth? What is? Do you hate us? Are you anti-Semitic to us? Why are you helping the Nazis? Why do you love Hamas? Why do you hate America? Why? Why? Why don't you leave this country that you hate? Yeah. It's a constant barrage of intense uh, uh, malignant narcissism that is infuriating to read day in and day out. But I do it because uh, I, I love uh, all my readers. No, oh, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Hey, it's your beat. It's your it's your it's your journalism beat, and some that's you suffer so that uh, you can summarize it, so we don't have to read it. I, I have most noble profession in the entire world. I definitely don't. Honestly, well, I mean, you joke about that, but look at all the, the Gazan journalists are. I'm sorry, they're heroes. They're just straight no, up no, freaking no, no, heroes. No, no, no. Okay, I'm sorry. I keep I keep interrupting you. I'm so sorry, but like, no, no, it's fine. Gazan Gazan journalists, the fucking uh, disparity. Between yeah. what these people are doing and what American journalists in America are expected to be lauded for. I mean, it's no it's it's no question. 
Yeah. I mean, why the fuck? Who's that fucking guy? Uh, Jim Acosta, I think. <laughs> yeah. And CNN back in America. Like, we were expected for years that this guy is like the fucking guy. Because he mm-hmm. said, uh, sir, sir, sir. No, sir, please answer my question to Trump at press conferences. Mm-hmm. Like, these people stayed silent while journalists in the Gaza Strip were being murdered en masse in targeted strikes, either on them or on their families. And I'm supposed to, like, go back after all this when Trump probably gets yeah. reelected and say, like, oh, no, these are the real heroes. Yeah, it's it's, it's not. It, I mean, the disparity, it's like, um, I'm a little afraid on college campuses versus this guy, all 17 members, including children of this guy's family were killed, and he's still reporting day to day, you know? It's like, how can you, it's, I mean, that is like the crux of anti-proportional thought, which is at the heart of sort of all conservatism, but just the inability to recognize when something is much graver than something else, you know, just that fundamental lack of proportionality that is in a lot of, uh, that undergird Zionist, uh, and imperialist thought. Um, I think, you know, as we, as we go out, we've been talking for an hour, I wanted to talk about. I don't know if it makes me hopeful, um, but it at least is important to get documents which show history and can be entrenched permanence. I don't know if it does anything. And obviously it didn't do anything immediately to stop the killing in in Gaza. But um, what do you think the effect of the ICJ decision was? And was it worth just pursuing it to begin with just to have you know, witness to this atrocity? Or do you think it affected anything that much? This is a difficult one. I think, but this is a more larger discussion about like, is, is resistance worth it? Yeah. That, that's a bigger question here because if we talk about the ICJ ruling, this is, this was a, this was a significant victory. Hmm. Israel was brought before the, Halls of International Justice, which is a system that has been rigged against the Global South for decades, since its inception. And uh, within the rules that Israel had agreed to set for itself, it was found to be guilty. And Israel felt that it needed to lash out in such a significant way to defund uh, UNRWA, uh, the Palestinian Refugee Association, that it felt it needed to do this, to push this, meant that that it meant something significant another humiliation Um, another humiliation and if we want to talk about like in real terms like like material terms sure i mean it it, israel felt that it needed to to pull the rug out from a a incredibly critical refugee association and it it would intensify the suffering the palestinians have suffered but to say that it shouldn't have been pursued at all I think would leave us in a much graver situation because it would have also communicated to Israel that it can operate with even more impunity. Every piece of sand mm-hmm. in Israel's eye, I think is worth it. Mm-hmm. Mainly because they care so deeply about it. We, we, we talk about like, and even I get down in the dumps about this, but it says something about Israel's priorities when a student protester on campus thousands of miles away from Israeli, from Israeli shores can get posted on the Israeli government's official social media channels because they were so angry at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it says something that when I post 
something about how much I hate some Israeli government spokesperson that that spokesperson name searches and then finds my tweet because they care so much about this is a real thing that happened. Uh, with, so with, name searching is the ultimate freak behavior. That's that's yeah. how you know. <laughs> that's how you know. The, these are the these are the sorts of people that inhabit the Israeli government, right? They care so much about the public image. They are frustrated eternally that they are not accepted as a member of the international community uh, as other countries are. It's why they call Ben and Jerry's uh, agents of terrorism because they won't sell in Israeli settlements. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's why they say that literally everyone is Hamas if they don't agree with them. And Hamas is, of course, ISIS. Of so. course. Well, worse than ISIS. Let, let's not, yeah. let's not, let's not, that's, that's a whole, yeah. I, I, I remember that. Oh my God, that was a uh, stupid yeah. discussion. Um, but like every, every single action that emphasizes rightfully that Israel is not, is a state that is an aberration like within the already aberrant structure in which we live, uniquely so. Um, that that is a, that is that is like to point that out to point to point out that fact. That is a good thing, because it forces Israel onto the defenses and it makes them show how awful they are continuously. And that is what is propelling change in the younger generation. Uh, that is uh, propelling change within American people generally. I mean, the poll yeah. numbers that we see right now about ceasefires, about uh, Israel's conduct, they're unprecedented in my lifetime. Yeah. Um, it, 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 I think it's a good thing. I, I don't want to yeah. get too down on the dumps about it, but it's a good thing. No, yeah, it is, a, it is a good... I mean, the, the problem you're always going to face is there are, like you said, like little grains... Of, there is this sort of frustratingly incremental quality to this because I'm sure the fantasy that you've had, that we've all had, is I'm going to go over there like brace goddamn Belden and I'm going to put my body in front of children because that's what needs to happen because I don't want any more dead children. And I'm sure you've had that fantasy before of like, but you know that you can't do that for many reasons. And uh, so it just exists in fantasy. Um, I mean, I think that's why a lot of us, you know, felt, you know, we're gunning for the Houthis. You know, that's why it's like, yeah, yeah, man, you're oh doing it. God. Somebody did something. Yeah. Somebody like the poorest nation on earth. Yeah. Like, like in the Middle East, sorry. Like they were able to put forward like little tiny boats and cheap missiles and rockets. And they were able to basically close off an entire waterway to American, British and Israeli linked ships. Yeah. Like, like that, that, that gives me hope that yeah. like there's, there's something. What frustrates me is that the tide isn't turning fast enough, nearly fast enough, but I would feel immensely more depressed, inconsolable mm -hmm. if this wasn't happening. I, yeah. I can't even imagine what, what the world would be like if, if yeah. we were still in a situation in which Yemen was was ruled by a different government or, mm -hmm. or uh, someone else is in office in America. Yeah. I mean, I always have like the people or liberals hand wringing about the whole Houthi thing, which is, um, you know, their government is you know, Islamist and bad. And I'm like, I don't care. They're doing the thing that I want to do, but I'm too chicken shit to do because I don't want to get arrested. <laughs> no, like, like I, I, this is something that admittedly I'm not like consistent about, but like, yeah. like you said, if someone is doing something like objectively good, 
Yeah. I I will put aside any other like this is this is the definition of what like your annoying leftist friend talks about with critical support yeah. for like a, some some other country. This is yeah. this is like what this is for. Yeah. I, I, I no 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 no. They're doing the, the, the good I, thing. They're doing the good thing. <laughs> and I, I, with minimal violence too. That's what's crazy. No, no injuries. Even, yeah. No deaths. Like like oh, oh, like it. You know that this was a good thing because when Britain, when the United States were forced to talk about why they were striking Yemen, like, do you, do, did you see the statement that Biden put out when the first airstrikes happened? No. Oh my God. This, this fucking thing, I wish I had it in front of me. It was a statement that essentially said that, uh, you know, Houthis are stopping shipping, but it even said that if they didn't do this, then there would be delays in shipping times. <laughs> Have you have you ever heard of a military engagement occurring because someone was afraid that supply lines might be delayed for a couple of weeks? Like that's they have to say these things because if they say what it's actually about, people will go and say, "Oh, that sounds that's I mean if nobody else is doing something, that sounds fine." Yeah, and, they and, didn't. And, and, you're telling me they didn't kill anyone? Is what? No, what? Sure is. <laughs> Uh, the, the hostages seem to be doing fine. Uh, yeah, they're giving like thumbs up on TikToks and stuff yeah, like that. I, I, I don't, I don't understand what I'm supposed to be like opposed to in this yeah. respect. I, but, I, but no, they got a bad guy. They're Islamists. They got a bad government. The, you know, it's the uh, the pirate guy. He was Hassan. Abdul Malik Al Houthi and his band of pirates and nefarious beings. Compromise the integrity of the Red Sea and all that inhabited. No, no, people no. Say, it's, it's... People say he was very hot. He was very hot, the pirate. The pirate he was a small he was, boy. He, he was gorgeous, but I, I, I like him when they don't do the piracy. <laughs> I like ships. I like the big ships. <laughs> I mean, we're, I mean, I've almost had this like nightmare vision, which I know is not going to happen because like Trump is obviously uh, just as Zionist as Biden, but like this nightmare vision of of like Trump somehow running to the left of Biden on on Gaza on like a, like they made us Netanyahu made us look weak. He made us look weak. You know, that's obviously not that's no, a, like, I mean, I, it's 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 it's, a, it's an interesting I, again, I'm not going to disagree with you on the basis of like, yeah, Net, Net, Trump is going to come out and be like, you know pro Hezbollah, pro-Palestinian yeah. or whatever. But the uh, historian uh, R- uh, Rashid Khalidi had a really yeah. interesting point that he, that he talked about uh, in an interview recently where Biden is uniquely uh, bad on Palestine because he is sacrificing American interests uh, to support Israel. And by American interests, of course, it just means like America's image. Yeah. And it's, and and it's he's, definitely he's taking fucking with the money. He's fucking with the he's money fuck, right now. He's, he's fucking. He's fucking up bad with this. Becoming an and international pariah. Generally, <laughs> like we, we, yeah, Japan we, is against this. Do you know how hard it is to activate Japan politically? <laughs> it's 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 not going. Let's say cynically. Let's say it's not being executed well. Yeah. And Trump, on the other hand, is someone who values uh, personal stakes before anything. And if some, and he's a very suggestible man. So if you, so if Netanyahu goes on its bad side or disagrees with him, that can be a, a point of pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, but not what Khalidi was saying, but what I'm saying, like, you know, conversely, yeah. if Netanyahu gets on his good side, yeah. then he can convince him to do anything. But also, 
I've also said this before, like, I truly do believe that if you got Trump and Khamenei, the supreme leader of Iran, in the same room, Trump would come out of that meeting, of that meeting saying that Iran should be, like, given nukes. Like, <laughs> this is not a man with, like, a consistent political philosophy really? no no he's no. i mean he hated uh, he hated uh uh kim jong-un at first and then he met him and was like you know what he's fine <laughs> there, there was a video there was a video i remember this video where uh he's in north korea he's fucking in north korea yeah we, we forget that this happened he yeah. went to north korea and he goes to north korean general and the general goes out to shake his hand and then trump doesn't do that and instead salutes him. <laughs> like, this is not a man, like, who is, who is, he's mostly predictable, but he's not completely predictable. And it's like, okay, I have a guy, okay, like, like this is not a great choice for Americans to have to make. It's yeah. like, okay, I can, I can vote for Biden mm-hmm. and I can vote for a situation in which uh, Israel is going to be given all the support that it, it wants and there's maybe a chance that Blinken or, or Kirby or somebody sees what's happening and says, OK, there's like a firm line that we can't cross here. Yeah. You can hope for that or you can go for Trump and you can say, um, OK, there's a chance that uh, he makes this infinitely worse yeah. or there's a chance, a chance, maybe yeah. uh, uh, cat, cat scratch in hell yeah. that um, Netanyahu pisses him off. And then he says, no weapons for you. That is not, that is a terrible choice. Yes. Like for, for Americans I, I, to have to make. It's not, an impossible choice. Yeah, you can't but, vote for, don't vote for Trump. <laughs> don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Like that, the, 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 the risks that associated with <laughs> yeah. that are, I don't, yeah, I don't, please do not risk yeah. that. But it's just like, this is not, the fact that America has been led to this position, yeah. not once, but twice. Yeah. Like, I, if you put in front of me, hey, Seamus, great news. I have your mail-in ballot. Uh, please either vote for Adolf Hitler or um, uh, Heinrich Himmler. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to tell you I don't like this ballot at all. Please give me another one. Yeah. Um, that's personally my take. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't I – don't, I, I, I would like a different candidate that I could vote for who could feasibly win. But we don't. And yeah. uh, that's – Cornell uh, West thing really didn't take off. Uh, no, oh, no, <laughs> Cornell. Uh, Corn- okay, oh geez, the the, the people. This is a different discussion, but the People's Party. I don't know what the fuck that was. Did you see anything about this? Yeah, well, Peter Dow again. He was he was campaign managing <laughs> because he's Wait, the what? most interesting man in the world. Yeah, you didn't know about Peter Dow's association. I, yeah, he fuck? continues to be the most interesting man in the world. Uh, oh my you know, god, is he still the- campaign manager? I, no, I think he dropped out or something. And then there was some kerfuffle over about what went wrong with it. But yeah, what a what a guy, you know, Lebanese child soldier, friend of Frankie Knuckles, uh, resist ultimate resistance Democrat, you know, incredible person. Uh, but uh, yeah, that was that was a mess. Um, I mean, I wish there was like a viable third party. My fantasy has always been is Jesse Ventura. He's going to be the one. Because and obviously not. I have, I have the documents that prove that Biden and Trump are democrats and republicrats. <laughs> no, uh, Jesse. Oh, 
Brief side story. Brief side yeah. story that yeah. your viewers, I'm sure, will enjoy. Yeah. My uh, uncle was on the Minneapolis City Council yep. as a Democratic Green Unity ticket while Jesse Ventura was governor of Minnesota. Ah. He he was he was in the shit with <laughs> with Mr. Ventura. He was in the shit. Here here Frank Malikzefali. <laughs> I don't think that's his name. But. No, no. You're, you're almost close. He was an Irishman, yeah. but he did not. Yeah. Have the no, no, no. Uh, no, I mean, Ventura. Vent, Ventura's interesting. Um, I, I, tr I, I truly do have the same wishes you do. If Ralph Nader can't run for a, I guess like a, what, a, a fucking sixth time? Because he's yeah. old. Yeah. Jesse Ventura, I guess, could do it. Um I mean, what what do we got now? What, uh, what do we third, got in terms of third party? I mean, like if they could just <laughs> if 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 they just get Whitmer, if there's just like a hostile Democrat, even Kamala, you know, at this point, everyone's been going insane with coconut tree memes because it's like it's so bad that Kamala seems like a. Obviously, that's the joke, you know. We're yeah, no, 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 no. I I don't. I, I, oh God, it's like, yeah, we, we really are in the, in that kind of shit. Cause like, okay. Anything is better. An you anything. know, inanimate carbon rod is better. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> uh, no, uh, I saw, well, I saw Joe Manchin is not running for president because people I assume thought that that might happen. Uh. Um, that isn't happening. Uh, oh, uh, Claudia de la Cruz. She's like a party for sure. Socialism and liberation candidate. I, I, I guess that's happening. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, Jill Stein's running again. Ah, poor girl. Uh, for, listen, for, listeners at for, for listeners at home, uh, you can't see me, but I, I'm looking increasingly dejected. Yeah. Um, Jill I feel Stein like I could have managed <laughs> Cornell West's campaign better. Didn't you? Most like, people could have. Most people could have seen it. Like they see the People's Party posting like transphobic memes. And and collaborating with the libertarians, and it's like maybe we should take this like elsewhere. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what this is for. Yeah, yeah. It seems just like it seemed like one of those like very politically confused. Like remember Killer Mike's TV show where it was like, what is this saying? <laughs> what is? Killer, you don't Killer. understand the politics of this show. I uh, there was the only thing I remember from Killer Mike is that like. He, I remember, I think like after uh, the protests in Atlanta, he, he went on TV uh, to do a press conference and he was very clearly like horribly upset. And he's just like, we, mm -hmm. can we please put a stop to this? Yeah. And then in like previous weeks, I mean, he's talking about like Black Revolution and like all these yeah. different things. And it's like, okay, there's a, maybe, maybe there's something complicated here with yeah. this man. Well, he's sort of, he's a socialist, but he's also like a very staunch capitalist, which is very funny. You know, he believes in sort of like 60s, uh, like black socialism derived from MLK, directly from MLK. But he also is like, uh, we need black capitalism in order to get any power, which is, I, I get there's a big strain of that in, you know, just in like, listen to the story of OJ by Jay-Z and, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. where that, that stuff comes from. But um, yeah, I mean, look at me, I... Look, I know about black We two people. We two people. My skin, like I'm not like fully white, but like the color of my skin matches the wallpaper behind me. Authorities on this. Yeah, we're no, 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 the no, authorities no. on this. Um but um Seamus, thank you so much for coming on. I love your work. It's been uh great to have this conversation with you and thank you for being so honest about these uh 
really depressing times that we're living in. And I, I, I feel that however Israel wants to push this forward, we are coming to a point where Biden will have to say no. And at some, like, I, at some point, because it's like, I don't know if it's going to be when the casualties enter the six figures, but I, I am hopeful that it won't get to that point. Uh, but still also with the heaping amount of cynicism that we are dealing with a uniquely fascist country that won't stop. So you have to hold both of those ideas in your head. But um, thank you for talking about that. With it. It's been you're very informed and love your work. And where can people find you? Uh, they can read my work on a Seamus hyphen malagafzili.com. Uh, once this, once this episode goes out, there should be an article up there about the Rafa. Uh, and there's a backlog of stuff that you can read, I, I, I think. Um, and also if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can go to Seamus underscore Malik. All right. That's great. We'll put those in the show descriptions and thank you so much for being on and, uh, Everyone, turn your minds towards Palestine. It's still going on. And um, uh, do your best to support in whatever way you can, whether it's donating to charity or advocating on a level. Like you said, every grain of sand in the eye of Israel. I like that line a lot, actually. It's, uh, it's really good. Bye, everybody. Bye. House of Decline is brought to you by our $10 tier members. Big fan of noise. Cher. Connor Lane. Constantine Bristow. Daniel Stern. Dat Ash. Dr. Spichemin Zero. Fiat Lux. Height Concept. Jody Shen. Kevin Ott. Kimberly Latrune. Liz Heckmayer. Miles Forrester. Piscadoro. Tor. Thank you for your support. And you will hear me read your names in a robotic voice at the end of episodes from now on.